0: That's Blue nile.com. I love your podcast. This is gold this is where it's
1: What is up? It's a gold fam. Happy Monday. Hope you all had an amazing weekend. So pumped for this episode today. Before we jump into it, this episode today is in honor of gearing up for Experience Camps and an organization that you all know I'm super involved with, been involved with for numerous years. Experience Camps is an incredible organization. It's a free one-week camp for kids who have lost a loved one. Last summer, due to COVID, we had a virtual camp, but we are gearing back up for camp in real life, and we cannot be more excited. It's kicking off next week. Today, my guest is Michelle Cove, Senior Communications Manager of Experience Camps. Michelle's got an amazing story and an incredible background. From 2014 to 2020, she was the executive director of Media Girls, a nonprofit she founded that empowers girls and young women to know their self-worth, harness the power of media, to uplift one another. Prior to that, Michelle spent over 25 years as a professional media maker. She's an award-winning documentary filmmaker, journalist, and national best-selling author whose projects have been featured on numerous national platforms, including The Today Show, Washington Post, The Boston Globe, and The New York Times. Michelle personally spent several summers as a sleepaway camper and then a camp counselor. And as a result, she can make a perfect s'mores today. This episode really hit home for me. This episode is a little bit more grief-focused, grief-centric. We dive into her story. She lost both her dad at the age of 20, her mom later on in life. And we jump into her grief journey. And she wrote a beautiful blog post, I'll include it in the show notes, titled The Surprise Gift for My Father's Death. And you know, we really jump into the theme around the gifts from death, the gifts from losing a loved one. Really, I'm fascinated personally by that theme, that idea, and just the power of death. And really, as she put it, the surprise gifts from death. So with that, enjoy the episode. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on the Bits of Gold podcast today.
0: It's my pleasure.
1: So excited to have you on. Maybe just before we jump in, you can give Everyone, a little bit of background around who you are, what you do today, and then we'll jump into your story of what led you here.
0: So, I am the senior communications manager for Experience Camps, which champions the 5.3 million grieving children in our country. And they run, as you know, a (laughs) national network of camps for free for kids who have experienced the death of a parent or sibling. And I've been in this role since about April. So, still dipping my feet in.
1: Yeah, it's awesome. I was trying to figure out actually, because I'm getting ready for a camp myself as a volunteer. And I was trying to figure out what summer this was for me. And it's somewhere between like six to eight. And I I totally have lost track (laughs) at this point. So
0: COVID really threw it off.
1: Yeah, COVID threw it off. And there was like the summer when my mom was sick, where I went to one camp, couldn't go to the other camp. So it's like, and then also it gets confusing because I've done Multiple camps in one summer. So I never know if you count that as two or one.
0: (laughs) You've been there for 40 seasons.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Well, welcome to the show. You know, I'd love for you to start by sharing a little bit about, you know, your story and how you ended up at Experience Camps and why the cause hits home for you.
0: Yeah. So I ended up at Experience Camps. I think it was a convergence of two things that were really important in shaping my life. And one is storytelling. I was the freaky kid who knew I wanted to be a writer, I think at age seven or eight, and apparently wrote in my closet, like etched it in, I'm going to be a writer someday. I just found this out. So (laughs) all roads were leading there. And I spent 25 years or so making media professionally and just always, always loved storytelling. And it didn't matter to me if it was magazines or documentaries Blogs, books. I just, I love creating stories. And I think it really helps shape how we think about our own values and what we care about. And I couldn't have told you one of the central themes to my projects until recently when I put everything under one website. And then I saw very clearly that there actually was a theme to my work, which is something that I think comes up on this show a lot, which is making our choices with intention. I'm really interested in society telling us there's a right way to do things and you're doing it right or wrong. And that pushback of like, don't tell me how to do it. Or if you do follow that way, at least to be intentional about why you're doing it and not just fall into it because we were told so. So that storytelling piece has always been really important to me. And the other part of my story that led me here is that both of my parents died, and my dad died in a car accident. A drunk driver hit him when I was 20. And that was um, really the first out of the blue and a brutal out of the blue experience in loss. And my mom died a few years ago after being sick and really being sick for about five years. And what I learned. Is that both ways are horrible, whether it's out of the blue or not out of the blue. It's (laughs) really, really hard. And our our society is not great at having these conversations. And I'm really interested in how do we do a better job of showing up for people who are grieving. So all of that came together and made this kind of the perfect job for me.
1: That's awesome to hear on you know how everything converged there. In terms of like writing and storytelling prior to your losses and prior to finding your way to experience camps. What was your focus then just in terms of like your professional work?
0: Yeah, so I started in magazines when there were magazines (laughs) and right out of college, moved to New York and started editing and writing for Psychology Today and Mother Earth News and a magazine I helped start up called Girls Life, which was a national magazine for girls. And so magazines is where I really wanted to be. I wrote a few parenting books, self-help books. I've always been really interested in the convergence of stories mixed with strategy and advice, so it could be practical. And I made in 2010, decided to make a documentary because I figured how hard could that be? And the answer is really, really hard. It's called Seeking Happily Ever After. And it ended up getting distributed by Lionsgate. And it really looked at why there are more single 30 something women in our country than ever before and what was behind that. So different types of stories, all super interesting to me.
1: Got it. Wow, there's so many directions we could take this. <laughs> take this show. So, in terms of grief, what was it like for you? You know, after you said you were 20 years old when when your dad passed away.
0: Yeah, yeah, it was horrible. I was at Tulane as a sophomore, kind of ending up the year, and I got a phone call from my mom telling me uh, I have to tell you something. And I did probably the worst thing you could do, I learned after, which is I just kind of went fetal. I just was on my bed. I think people came in, friends came in that had heard and were sitting with me, which I don't really remember. I just kind of went into shock. And I think I didn't move for like 24 hours until getting the plane the next day. And I later learned that that is probably, again, the worst thing you can do, that moving is really, really important, especially when we're experiencing shock, and that by being very still, it sort of traps all the emotions in you. So I actually was reading this study, I think it was Eckhart Tolle, who looked at animals fighting or being afraid. And right after like ducks swim up to each other and have a fight, when they're swimming away, they ruffle their feathers really hard. And it turns out every animal in the animal kingdom or queendom has something like that, where they move the emotions out. And Mm. when we experience shock, people tell us to get very quiet and still, but it's actually the worst thing you can do. And so to do over again, I would have figured out some way to get home, like gotten in my car, gone for a walk, like done something to move things through. So that was a tough start.
1: Yeah, it's tough to look backwards, obviously, because you never know how You can't really anticipate how you'll react, you know, when you get the worst news in the world. So my dad died when I was 20, my mom when I was 25 years old. And when my dad died, he was in the hospital. He was sick for about seven months and he went in for radiation to his hip because he was having a really tough time walking and he had cancer. And it was like Thursday he went in to get the radiation treatment. I was with him. I was supposed to go to Boston Friday, Saturday and come home Sunday. And I said, Dad, I could skip my trip from Boston and stay here see you this weekend and he said don't worry go when you come back like nothing is going to change so mm-hmm. i gave him i gave him a kiss goodbye and i left he was getting radiation i guess maybe later that day or the following day and at this point they had told him that like there's nothing we can do for the cancer but we're going to radiate your hip to try to get you more mobile and then my dad sort of gave me a talk like a couple nights before just saying they're going to radiate my hip and then we're going to do another family trip and i'm going to be able to walk and all these things He was very optimistic and I was very uh, naive, I guess, just and sheltered a little bit from the whole situation. And I went away to Boston Friday, Saturday morning. I got a phone call from my mom saying, you should come home. He's not doing well. And when I got home, I went home the same day. I just like sat in the car silent. And my dad was already on like a ton of pain meds then. So Mm -hmm. from the radiation and he wasn't really talking, he was just like sort of making noises from the hospital bed. And they said that he was going to die probably within the day or something like that. And he ended up passing that night. And at that point, I hadn't experienced significant loss. I had lost my aunt, a grandparent, but not a parent. It was significantly different than when I had lost my aunt or my grandma previously. And I also just like complete shock, collapsed and just like frozen, you know, I couldn't even process what was actually going on.
0: Yeah, I'm so sorry. And we didn't know about the ducks and like moving your way. <laughs> Had we know that? It could have been a totally different experience. Uh,
1: yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's tough, because I think especially, you know, I'm putting myself back just like mentally right now for a second, when I yeah. where I was when both my parents died, and you don't really want to flock your way. No. You, know? you, you want to just like breathe. Yeah, both times, I guess it was just like a camp. For me, personally, I was like, you know, I I can't believe that this is actually what I'm dealing with right now. Yeah. It's that was all sort retrospect,
0: of like, right? Of like, yeah, oh, yeah. I wish I had done, but like no one's thinking in those terms. You're <laughs> just trying to get through an impossible situation.
1: Yeah. How do you navigate like life after your dad had passed? Because that's like, I mean, did you experience any significant loss before your dad passed?
0: No, that was a bad one to start with. <laughs> we were really <laughs> close. Yeah, I just I felt like I had no training wheels for that one. I think, you know, my mom was somebody who was very like keep things moving and we're going to make plans and we're going to spring into action and we're going to move our house and like here we go and we're not going to be like undone by this. And so she was certainly like a warm person, but her way of dealing was just to be in motion. And I really just needed time to just sit and be like, what the hell happened? And so I think we were in different places. And so it took me longer in some ways because all of these plans were being made. But I do think there's something to be said for just falling apart before coming back together. Mm -hmm. And that was something else, something else that I, I think that I would do maybe differently, did do differently the next time. That, you know, there was like a tragedy or a hard time was to just let myself whatever fall apart means to do that for a little while and not feel bad or guilty or like that was a weakness of some kind. Like it's appropriate to fall apart if you need to.
1: Mm, That makes sense. And then when did you say your mom when your mom passed?
0: Think you. know with COVID, everything's like thrown off. But I think it was about three years ago. And that one felt differently because I really had a chance to say goodbye and to really talk out with her what she wanted. You know, it's a different sorrow and struggle watching someone quietly disappear and become somebody that they're not, right? Like she was not the person she that I knew her to be. And all that kind of running and taking action and taking steps to face things when they're hard, like she just got very quiet and still. And so It was sort of hard to watch her slowly disappear personality-wise in that way. But on the flip side, I did get to say goodbye and make sure she knew all the things I wanted to say to her.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's another, I don't know, bizarre thing when someone, for my dad, he was sick for seven months. My mom was sick for two months. My mom, like, very quickly got extremely sick and life changed, like, very fast. And two months isn't all that much time. Yeah. I guess seven months... At first I was like, "Oh, my dad lived for 7 months while he was sick and I thought that was like a really short time." Yeah. And then my mom only lived for 2 months while being sick. Then I was like, "Oh, my dad actually lived a really long time as a <laughs> as a sick person." But so I was in college then, but every time I'd come home, he would be skinnier, weaker, and there would be like yeah. progressively first time I came home, he was able to walk. Second time he had a walker. Third time he couldn't walk from like the bed to the bathroom that was like two feet away without being completely out of breath. So mm. it's very bizarre. I think especially if you haven't experienced significant loss or seeing someone slowly get weaker and weaker little by little, it's a very bizarre thing to see the person that you know, that you love, that you have these very vibrant memories with to see them sort of like you said, like sort of disappear and, and become a someone that they're not.
0: Exactly right. And I, I think like in the movies, like the grieving person just shows up as being like really empathetic and loving it every second and just there and like trying to make these connections. But we don't talk about like the frustration of watching someone disappear or like I know with my mom and I, you know, had a very close relationship with her too, but she was pretty self-absorbed at the end. And I couldn't talk with her or connect about things that were happening in my life. And so I was like almost grieving before grieving. There's like Mm. that pre-loss and then feeling guilty about that too, right? Like I don't get to be mad or I don't get to be frustrated. She's dying. But I think this time being in my early 50s, I could make more room for all the feelings. Um, I'd spend enough like inner work time to know like it's okay to be frustrated. And whether it's okay or not, I am. And just to be able to hold that feeling and say like, that's okay. That's part of this.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I know that you had sent me a blog post prior to the show that's titled the surprise gift for my father's death. Yeah. I thought that that might be something to jump into. I know that there's from reading the blog post and I'll include it after like in the show notes, but I know there's a story about your therapist asking you this, but maybe you could take us back through that. And then I'd love to jump into that a little bit.
0: Yeah. So this was, I want to say I was probably closer to 30. It was like 10 years after my dad died and I was working through some of the, I think, as I was saying, like the shock that just got stuck. I worked through like the sadness, like it comes in layers grief. And I think that that hard layer of trauma, like wasn't fully dealt with from the sudden loss. And so I went to see her to just work that through and find some freedom there. And she asked me, I was just sitting there quietly. And she said, can you think of any gift that came from your dad dying? And I was like, could you rephrase that? <laughs> <laughs> and she said it again. And I was like, well, do you mean like a gift that I experienced from like him being my dad? And she was like, no, I mean, from his actual death. And I, I just thought it was so insensitive. And I thought she had like lost her marbles from <laughs> Like, why would you ask if like there was a gift from a car accident where you lose your dad and he's in his late 40s? Like, what the hell kind of gift would that be? And she said, just sit with it for a minute. Just, just take a minute and see what comes. And I was really shocked to see like something did show up. And In fact, there were gifts that came from the death, you know, and it doesn't take away from the fact that I'd trade those gifts in to have my dad back. But I think anybody or lots of people anyway who've been through a death will tell you it dramatically changes your life in some way and sometimes for better. So one example was I got the idea to start a nonprofit organization for girls called Media Girls and it was something really important to me. and I just thought like, well, who am I to start a nonprofit? Like I didn't go to business school. I have no actual knowledge of how to start a nonprofit. and I don't even know if I can. I don't know how to fundraise. I've never done that. But I think there is like a a desire for meaningfulness when somebody dies that you want to make sure your time, or at least I did on this earth was meaningful, that I did something I could be really proud of and feel good about. And I think between that and the like, screw it, like just try, like once you've had somebody die or gone through something shocking, like if I fail, like who cares? Like it's such small, (laughs) small potatoes compared to something truly horrible. And so I think some level of go for it mixed with wanting to make meaning really did shape my life. And I don't, it's hard to know if that would have happened without the death, but it certainly added to a sense of going for things that felt scary or hard.
1: Yeah. It's an interesting, I mean, the title of the blog, The Surprise and Gift from My Father's Death is also interesting, but I so resonate with people who might tune into this episode, might think I'm crazy, but like I too so resonate with not just the gifts from death, but I think about like my life today as a result, sort of as the circumstances that I was thrown into. And sometimes I think, you know, like I I think it's it's such an interesting idea or theme to like ponder, think about, etc. But sometimes I know even with people from experienced camps, people say, "Well, you would trade it for?" I would snap my fingers and trade everything back to have my parents back, right? Something mm-hmm. like that. And honestly personally sometimes i think that i wouldn't trade a thing i think sometimes and this is just speaking like very broadly around just one of the many things that have happened as a result of losing my parents but i stumbled into experience camps where i've been a volunteer for somewhere between 5 to 7 mm-hmm. or 8 years now multiple camps and i've had the like the privilege and the honor of being able to help Kids who have faced significant tragedy and be a role model for them. And, you know, sometimes I think that the result of that or the ability to impact those kids, like I'm grateful that I have that opportunity. And if I didn't lose my parents, I would have never stumbled into that. Then I wouldn't have that chance to help those kids. So, you know, I'm just speaking very broadly here, but it's sort of an example where sometimes I'm like, you know, I don't know if I would, if I had that magic wand, if I would trade everything that I've gained now as a result to have my parents back. It's like, I feel like sometimes I'm more on a mission today to help inspire hope into others who are facing hard times because of the circumstances that I've lived through. And I think that that's a lot more powerful as it relates to like living a meaningful life maybe as opposed to my life prior, where when I was 20, before my dad ever got sick, I think back to the way I viewed the world then. And not that I was necessarily a worse person then, just maybe had a lot less drive as it relates to like personal mission. And I wake up every day, and I I feel like I'm on a mission to help people who have also lived through significant loss. And that's a lot more powerful today than when I was 20 and had no personal life mission.
0: Yeah. And maybe it doesn't matter, right? If you'd snap your fingers to get the person back or not, maybe all that matters is what you do with it. And I think what you're saying is something that I've heard, I certainly feel and have heard a lot of people express, which is the ability to just sit and hear hard things for other people, right? Whether it's death or anything, but to be able to hold space for people without trying to fix it or change it or say the right thing, I don't think that automatically comes if you experience a death, but I think you have a far likelier shot once you've been through that. And that level of empathy, I certainly wouldn't trade that in.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a lot. It's sort of like, you know, like I could probably give you a whole list of things where I'm like, oh, like (laughs) life's really great today now as it's funny because you, you use the example of just like, I mean, I know in, in the blog post, you had mentioned that death sort of taught you about not waiting for some day and sort of gave you maybe the the boost to like, go for it. What do I have to lose sort of mentality? That's what it sounded like from like, yeah. one of the things that I gathered from the blog. You know, I think there's a lot of ways that I live my life today as a result that have been shaped greatly because of learning that like life's so short, life's so precious and tomorrow's not guaranteed. You know, that's just like another one, but really, really living it as opposed to just like, oh, like reading it from a book and saying, oh, like, you know, the future, the future is not known. I need to go for it. I don't know. I really live each day knowing that there might not be a tomorrow and need to make the best of today.
0: Yeah. And I I think the other thing, you know, adding on to that is that you hear people say about somebody who's been like really rude or had like bad behavior, like, oh, well, so-and-so died in their life, right? Like they have this reason because they've been through something really hard. And I feel like I've met so many people like you now who've been through something hard that really make a choice to live as well as they can, right? Not be perfect, but to help others, to be there for others. Like that is an intention too of whether you wanna use that, that loss as an excuse for bad behavior versus I choose to use it as a motivator or in order to make life more meaningful or more beautiful. There, there's intention there too.
1: Yeah. How has your loss changed over the years? Because your dad died when you were 20, your mom a couple of years ago. So I guess like how is your grief as well as like your view around loss and grief evolved from your 20s to to now?
0: That's a good question. I think I was frustrated at 20 by people's lack of ability to show up in the way that I wanted them to. I wanted them to mind read and know exactly what I wanted. (laughs) At the very least, I wanted them to show up physically or get on the phone. And I think people just didn't know what to do. They just had no idea. And they were so worried about doing the wrong thing that they did nothing. And I felt very frustrated by that. Like at the time I needed them mostly, like where were they and i understand it much better now and i'd rather be part of the solution in finding non-shamey ways to help people show up by giving them tools and language and even saying this is what would be really helpful for me mm. i did another blog post for experience camps which was on mother's day and just the idea of like Mother's Day started really great for me. I was going through scrapbooks and like having a really good time with my teen daughter looking at memories and, and it was lovely. And then text started coming in saying, I know this is a horrible day for you. <laughs> or like, I know this day is impossible. And again, it was like people like really trying to be loving and show up. But it, then I was like, maybe it is a horrible day, right? <laughs> and just, Being able to say to people now, like you know, it's it's actually a pretty good day, and like a great thing to ask is just like, "How's your day going?" You know, or thinking of you today, what's up? Yeah, and let the person tell you where they are. So I feel much more. I guess I have a bigger desire to help people than to just be like frustrated at what I'm not getting. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. It's funny because even as someone who has lost both my parents young. It's still tough, even for me, when someone close to me, you know, loses, loses someone. I don't know for as like a society, I think, like, uh, and I know we always talk about it at camp, but like the big D word death. And as a society, I think we still have a long way to go. A lot of work to do in terms of having more conversations around death, because it is a normal part of life. Obviously, sometimes, you know, people die in unusual circumstances or way too young or in tragic ways. but life and death is a natural part of life. And I think people still struggle to find the right words. And I guess also what I'm trying to say is, personally, for me, I found that there have been no words of comfort anytime. You know, I think for me personally, like when my mom died, no matter what anyone said, it didn't do a thing in terms of comforting me. And then I started telling people like, don't worry, you don't need to be nervous. Just you being here is like enough for me right now. You know, that's just holding that space. There are no words that someone can say that will, I don't know, you know, I don't really personally believe that there are words that will like bring comfort to something that's just so terribly painful.
0: No, I think it's what you said. It's the showing up. It's just showing your face and even saying like, I'm so uncomfortable and terrified to say something stupid right now. And here I am. Like, that's a perfect thing to say as far as I'm there. There is no magic (laughs) word. But the showing up, even though it's scary, matters so much.
1: Yeah. I wish one thing that like my friends would know is that I think one of the harder things for me personally in like the last couple of years has been that after your person dies, I find that everyone is there for you in those moments immediately after, maybe even the weeks after, maybe sometimes even less people the months after. But as the years trickle on and the days go by, I find that everyone continues to live their life and in many ways you do too. but years later, anniversaries, birthdays, holidays can still be extremely difficult. And I definitely wish that friends did check in more like, hey, just thinking about you this holiday, or just thinking about you on this birthday, or this day, etc. Because I find that a lot of people have, I don't know, I think sometimes a lot of people just sort of assume you go back to living your life, Oh, your life's back to whatever it is. And you do in some ways, but it's like a new version of what your life was.
0: Yeah. Most people have told me like they have about two months, (laughs) two (laughs) months of people, if you're lucky, like checking in and then all bets are off. It's like, well, that was enough time and I'm sure she's moving on and I don't want to bother her. Like, I don't want to remind her of this sad thing, but like, you know what happened. You're not going to be like reminded of this sad (laughs) thing. But yeah, I think everybody gets swept up. I was actually thinking it's a lot like having a baby that for like those first few weeks, everybody shows up and says, What can I do for you? And then everybody leaves, right? And you're like exhausted and like, Hey, (laughs) member, this usually happened.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. I think that's why personally, like, I make a point to post whenever it's like, a death anniversary or a birthday for like either my mom or my dad, because I want people to know that I still want to have that conversation. I want people to be reminded that like, this is their day, whether it be their birthday or like a death anniversary. And that, you know, like we could still talk about this thing, even though they're not here. And it's been a couple of years now.
0: What would you want people to say to you? It's probably like a good thing for listeners to hear like if somebody was to call a year later or three years later and just do like a check-in with you what would you want them to say
1: like it would be so nice just receive like hey man or hey what's going on i'm thinking about you you know i'm just thinking about you on this day because i I don't think that that really happens i'm just trying to think i'm like running it back in my mind right now (laughs) and, and has anyone sent me that but you know i i really don't Think so, and it's it's also funny. Like when I've missed a birthday, or if I miss posting about it, it's like the pool of people who have reached out is shrinks so significantly. You know, where it's like, oh, just thinking about you today, or something like that. It is nice when people like maybe try to engage in like or share a story of your person. I think that that's really nice too. But I guess all people are different. I have a podcast where much of the conversation is around like grief and death and all of that, and. So I'm pretty like open. I don't know if everyone wants to like just start talking about the person that died.
0: Yeah, I think you can ask, right? And like, I'll give a shout out to my friend Kavita, who it was like a month after my mom died. And she was like, hey, I was wondering if you wanted to just get together and bring like some favorite pictures of your mom and tell me some stories about her. Like I never really got to know her. And of everything like that will stay with me forever. I thought it was just the sweetest thing. Whether she wanted to hear stories or not, it was just like
1: such a
0: lovely thing to offer.
1: Yeah, absolutely. What would be your advice to like kids that, especially being like plugged into experience camps, kids that have just lost a loved one?
0: Advice to them or to people supporting them? I think to them. I think the biggest thing is like, there is no right way to do this. Like, however you're feeling is really okay. And it's okay that the feelings keep changing every minute, right? There's nothing wrong with you. There's no point where this should be like done for you. It'll keep changing, but like all of it's okay. I think we just, we love prescriptives in our society of like, if you do X, Y, and Z, you know, you'll be done with the journey. And the journey is just, it is... I don't even know if there's a journey with grief. It's this thing that's an experience that happens to us. And yeah, there's no way to go through the journey that's better, or worse than anybody else's.
1: Yeah. It's funny because I think before our, I lost my dad and definitely my mom, maybe like I was more plugged into like, hey, this is the right way or wrong way. And now I'm like such a believer that there's I feel like oftentimes there's no right or wrong in anything. I was telling my friend the other day, like some things there it's it's like black and white as it relates to societal things, but I used to think there was more like this is the right way to do something, this is the wrong way. And and I talk about this a lot, especially more of the episodes that are more like business focused. I'm really passionate about just in terms of like professional career and pursuing your your passions. I think there's no there really isn't a right way in terms of your professional pursuit. I think back to like when my dad was alive and when I was in college, how professors, parents, family, friends tell you you need to do X, Y, and Z. This is the journey. This is the path. You're going to go to school, get a job, pay your bills, et cetera. And now, like looking backwards, I'm always like, there's no right. Like, if you didn't want to do any of that and ignore all of that and travel the world for a year and pursue a passion that maybe isn't the most financially lucrative, like, there's absolutely no right or wrong. It's really. It's your life to go and build. And I think that that's one of the things that loss has sort of taught me just that you get one at bat and, you know, it's sort of in some ways you have no control, but in many ways, like I always say, the only thing you can't control is how you spend the time you have. So that's really like my, and I know you had mentioned before, like being very intentional around your time, but that's really like probably one of the biggest things that grief has taught me just in the sense that like there's no right or wrong and this is your life to build what you want of it.
0: I think that's beautifully said. I think that's right. You know, for me, I wake up every morning and before my brain can click in with like, I have to do this. I have to go there. I have to call that person. Oh, I have a meeting. I trained my brain to just do. I'm so grateful to be here. I'm so grateful to be alive. And then just list everything from the day before, even if it's like five minutes, but before my eyes open, that happens every day. And it's a game changer. Like, that's how I want to <laughs> live my life is like with like kind of excitement to be here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I love that. And I mean, it is, you know, like I always and I'm right there with you. I mean, I think going back to seeing someone diminished, get weaker, get sicker little by little. Like I have such an imprint of my dad continuously getting skinnier, weaker, not being able to to go from walking. And it's crazy how like you see the life get taken out of yeah. someone. And it's just funny how like when someone gets sick through those tragic moments, like the imagery is just so crystal clear in my mind. Yeah. And with my dad seeing him, like not being able to get out of the bed Mm. and being completely out of breath by the time he took two steps to get to the bathroom, I guess like witnessing that I too, like when I wake up in the morning, when I roll out of bed and put my feet on the ground, I'm just like, wow, today's already a blessing. Like I'm lucky today. And I just carry that with me throughout the day where I'm like, today, I'm already winning today. The fact that I woke up in this bed and I'm able to put my feet on the ground, get out of bed on my own, and that I have the ability to go and do whatever I want with my time today. And I'm not worried about blood work or I'm not fighting some severe illness. I'm like, I'm winning. Today's already uh, one day.
0: Yeah. And then the ripple effect of that with like all the kids you work with and doing this podcast, right? Like it's amazing for you, but I do think the ripple effect of just appreciation for being here, whether we go around or not again, (laughs) have no idea, but being here and being excited and grateful to be here seems to me to be one of the bigger points of this whole ride.
1: Yeah, absolutely. We can probably go on for a a couple more hours (laughs) on this topic. (laughs) (laughs) But we can start to wrap up this episode. I usually like to ask all my guests, what would be your bits of gold on how to build the life you love?
0: I think it's what we said. Be grateful for what you have. I think the constant seeking and yearning for just that one thing that would make you happy is the opposite of joy. Just knowing what you have when you have it and appreciating it. Like that's certainly my bit of gold that I want to go through life with.
1: Mm, I love that. Where can people connect with you, get a hold of you? And I guess learn more about your work and also experience camps.
0: Yeah, so you can definitely go to experiencecamps.org and learn about all the great work we're doing. And I also have a personal website for my media projects, which is michellecove.com. So you can find me either place.
1: Awesome. Well, Michelle, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
0: My pleasure. Thanks for the good questions.
1: I hope you all really enjoyed that episode. If you did please take a minute share this episode with one friend subscribe to the bits of gold podcast a new episode comes out every single Monday with an inspiring guest to share their story about waking up finding their true purpose and building a life they love if you like this episode take a minute subscribe share with a friend thanks so much hope you all have an incredible incredible week I love your podcast for a